I don't let dreams say dreams. I, I put the work in. I bend the world to my will in order to make it happen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. A couple of times during this interview, you, you've spoken about uh, having a significant other, your girlfriend. Uh, how do you balance work and life, um, you know, and, you know, what are some strategies that you could tell our listeners and how to do so? Well, the way I balance work and life is horribly, uh, first and foremost. I, um, I don't have a good work-life balance, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not trying to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... At this point, I've made my work my life, so I'm not I'm not seeking a, a day, a, a structure in my day where, you know, work absolutely starts at a certain hour and absolutely ends at a different hour. That's not the way I want to live my life right now, and I don't think I I can be as successful as I want to be by having that type of, um, you know, stark structure. So because of that, you know, I've really come to love and enjoy my work enough for me to do it at any time and at all times. Now, with that being said, I do get, you know, uh, a good amount of sleep. You know, I do go out, you know, often with my girlfriend and and see family and things like that. And and I have a great group of friends who I spend time with. But, um, you know, it's like I um. Everyone who knows me knows that my I am a part. I am as much a part of We Did It mm-hmm. and Dollar Ride as they are a part of me. So it's sort of like we're one in the same with these ventures and and my um, contribution to them. So um, you know, at this point, it's you know these things are just a part of my life and they are a part of the package that you get if you are a friend of Susani or. Uh, you know, or if you're, you know, my, my brother or sister or girlfriend. So that's pretty much how I look at it at this point. Okay. Um, Um, but you know, let let me, let me share one thing though. Um, what has been remarkably helpful is having a great partner. Um, Mm -hmm. my girlfriend is, you know, one professionally, uh, a designer, so she's able to help in a lot of ways that, you know, I'm so indebted to her because of that. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, she is super supportive of what I'm doing as an entrepreneur. And, you know, it means the world to be able to come home and have someone who understands the challenges that you're going through and who can actually help you and talk to you as you work through these things mm-hmm. um, and pick you up when, you, when you're when you down. So, 
you know, I I love the relationship that we have because she is truly a partner um, in the success and the failures that I have as an entrepreneur, which makes the whole journey, you know, 10 times easier than it would be if I was doing it on my own. Okay. Earlier on, you know, when starting out, of course, now you're, you know, quote unquote, successful. And I mean that in the utmost way and respectful way. But when you were starting out, how did you handle naysayers or people who didn't necessarily believe in what you're doing? Uh, that's a great question. You know, the way I handled naysayers or, or the doubters was to have a short memory. Um, and I, I learned this and I, and, I, and I bring this term from my days of playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, played, I played college football at Boston College. I played little football as a, in Little League. And my position was a cornerback mm-hmm. um, on defense, and I played a little bit of safety. But for the most part, you learn as a cornerback that you have to have a short memory. And what coaches mean by that is in this position as cornerback, you're often isolated and playing one-on-one against another person. And therefore, you can easily be exposed for your weaknesses, or you might make a, a wrong move, and that wrong move can actually result in a touchdown. So it's a very high risk, sometimes low reward type of position. Right. Um, however, I've always I've been taught to have a, a a short memory when playing that position because, you know, let's say you get you're you're guarding someone and the ball gets thrown to your side and that receiver who you're guarding catches it and runs it in for a touchdown, mm-hmm. you obviously are humiliated, you look, you look bad, you just gave up a touchdown, but at the end of the day, you have to brush that difficulty off and focus on the next play. The mm-hmm. game still goes on. And that's what they mean by having a short memory. Don't let the, the, you know, the trials and tribulations affect your decisions and your mindset mm-hmm. going forward. So... That's how I really have dealt with the naysayers and the people who doubted me or my company, you know, up until this day. I, re- I just remember that, you know, it's gonna, for one, it's going to take nine no's until I get my first yes. Mm-hmm. So that's just the name of the game. But then secondly, it's, it's more important that I forget about the, you know, the no's and forget about all the doubts as quickly as possible. The quicker I'm able to do that, the faster it'll, I'll be at getting to the the good stuff, to getting to the yeses. Okay. And I, I just want to point this out. You know, you, you kind of brushed over the whole football situation. You didn't play football in high school, but you walked onto the team at Boston College, which is D1, and earned a scholarship. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, mean? I got to point that out. Like, how many years did you play there, and how did you do that? Just real quick for us, you know what I mean? I, I love that. I love that story. Um, so I, I played all four years at BC. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I redshirted my freshman year, which basically means um, during the freshman year, I was just a practice player. Yeah. You know, I didn't play in any games, mm-hmm. um, but I still maintained four years of eligibility to play. So um I was in. I was at Boston College for five years in total, and I played football every year there. Eventually, um, having not played in high school, I had to walk onto the team. So, 
you know, during my first year or two, I wasn't on scholarship. I was just a normal student, mm-hmm. but I was on the football team practicing and committing myself to all the responsibilities like all the other players. Right. But I wasn't on scholarship. But because I, I just worked my butt off and it was my dream to play college football, I did any and everything it took to prepare myself to win a spot on the team, like an official spot on the team. And eventually I got awarded a a full-time scholarship. Mm. Um, So, you know, the way I did this was, one, I I was obsessed. So that helped, you know, just Mm -hmm. being focused on the goal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I tried to really study the game as much as I could because I knew that, um, well, I saw that having not played any football in, in high school, I just really didn't understand the game on a level that would be helpful to the team or would make me really competitive against my teammates during practices. So, you know, I would spend more time watching film. I would talk to my coaches more. I actually buddied up with the guys who were starters, you know, when I was a freshman so that I could learn from them. I was just doing everything it took to to soak up more of the game so that I could be a better player. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like everyone else, I worked on my, my physical abilities too, mm-hmm. you know, and got bigger, stronger, and faster over time. I think ultimately, even from, from high school, I was dead set on this goal of playing in a college football game. And, you know, I, I bended the world to my will in order to make that happen. And, um, you know, I'm I'm really fortunate to have been given that opportunity at Boston College to walk on to the team and then eventually get a scholarship. I love that. I think there's also something that um, we're not highlighting and something that I want to bring attention to is I think that a lot of times um, our work ethic and the things that we do, sometimes they're they're brought about out of either from example or from a place of not wanting to be like something else. Mm-hmm. And you being a first generation Nigerian American and your parents having come over from Nigeria and having to create a life here. Um, how did their work ethic and you seeing them work affect you and then also lead to how you said you just said, you know, I made I bent you know, this football team, this ambition that I had, this goal to my will. Yeah, you uh, you bring up a great point. And my parents and their journey here as immigrants directly impacted my perspective on what hard work really is and what sacrifice is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watched my mom growing up uh work two jobs and go to go to school in order to uh you know provide for us as a family and i watched my dad basically do the same thing around the same time mm-hmm. you know they they both were young people who came to the states they had already gone through some schooling some some college i think in nigeria Mm-hmm. But when they came over to the States, they basically were starting from ground zero. Mm-hmm. So they had to go back to school, but they really didn't have a lot of money. So they had to work during that time. And, you know, they weren't working at investment banks like I did. You know, they were working at factories and, you know, doing menial jobs just enough, you know, to earn just enough money to put 
food on the table and pay, you know, their school fees at, at community colleges and local schools. But, you know, they, they, they ultimately sacrificed a lot in order to provide for their family and to give their children a better future. And, you know, I saw these types of things and these sacrifices on a daily basis. And I also saw the benefits of their work. So, you know, it, it, it really made a difference, you know, being growing up in an apartment complex from, you know, age one through 16 and then eventually seeing my mom and my dad buy their first home. Mm-hmm. Right. When I saw that, that ingrained in me that hard work does pay off. You know, my mom, she had been looking for a home probably for five years, you know, but it, it, it took more time and effort and energy and sacrifice for them to get to the point where they could actually afford the home. But I actually watched them go through that process. So um, almost automatically, I choose to work hard and to sacrifice as my superpower for accomplishing things, mm-hmm. because that's what I've seen work, you know, for my parents and in my family. And um, I think that that's a, that's exactly uh, in line with what you just said about you know people's motivation to accomplish things. Either you're trying to avoid something, or you're working off of an example, a, a model that you've seen work in the past. And uh, yeah, that that definitely rings true for me and my family. Okay, I love that. Thank you for you know being transparent and open and honest about that. And. Um, create your life family i want you to know that you know it's up to you you know i think me and sue share something and you know having desires and the willingness to work hard though we have different um sources of the motivation to an extent you know him being able to have seen it from example through his parents but i've seen it from example from others you know so you always have the opportunity to learn from someone and so it's really about you know how you interpret the knowledge and the opportunities that you have to you and how you're able to uh you know, how you decide to work and, and accomplish things. Um, so, Sue, that being said, it is time for the Dolphin Tank. Are you ready to jump in? I am ready to hop into the Dolphin Tank. Let's do it. Okay, here we go, man. Rapid fire coming at you. What's the top technology right. that you use to uh, run your business smoothly? Slack. Okay. Yeah. Why, Why Slack is Slack so all... important? So, Slack is important because... It's a communication tool that helps me um, stay in contact with every member of our team at any time. Um, And more importantly, it links to all the other business apps and processes that we have. So today I can run our entire company remotely. You know, all of my employees live in different cities and states. In fact, some of them are out of the country, but because we're using Slack, Mm-hmm. We, 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 we sort of have like a virtual office mm-hmm. and all the other things that I need to run the business, like accounting software, like QuickBooks or using Google, Google apps for docs and, and Excel files and spreadsheets and things like that. It's all integrated into Slack. So um, it's it's an integral part of our workflow now. And it definitely helps communication amongst the dispersed team. OK. Uh, favorite quote or model that you live by? If you will it, it is no dream. Okay. Who's that by? Theodore Herschel. Okay. He was, uh, 
he was um, a writer and activist, uh, you know, basically promoting um, Ju- uh, Judeo values mm-hmm. uh, way, 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 way back in the day, I think early 1900s. Mm-hmm. But um, nonetheless, he, this quote, if you will, it is no dream, um, you know, what was first quoted by him, but it really resonated with me, you know, almost 100 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, um, you know, it speaks to the, the sense that as human beings, we can create our own reality if we put the work in. And that's something that, you know, I couldn't, I can't share more. I can't share enough about how true that is and it, ha- and it has been for me. And it's, it's just a motto and the credo that I live by now. You know, I, I know that if I can imagine it, Mm-hmm. I can also build it and and achieve it. So, you know, I don't let dreams say dreams. I, I put the work in. I bend the world to my will in order to make it happen. Okay. Your favorite or most impactful book? Favorite or most impactful book? That you've read. Um, yeah, you know... Wow, I have so many, but give us a few. So the lean startup definitely is, is definitely up there, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be. Um, in fact, I would I would make it a required reading, required reading material for any entrepreneur in our generation, you know, who wants to build an app or anything that's online based. Mm-hmm. Just got to read the, the the lean startup. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. That's a more recent uh, read, but um, Peter Thiel is one of the co-founders of PayPal, um, one, of the, one of the first uh, major investors in Facebook, very successful uh, investor um, and Silicon Valley you know, leader. And in his book, Zero to One, he basically breaks down um, contrarian thinking, which is like how to think in ways that other people don't and why contrarian thinking can help you identify bigger and better opportunities than the types of thought process that might lead you um, down the path that everyone takes. And it was after reading that book that I realized or, or created a framework for how to identify better opportunities. And it's sort of like, you know, if everyone's going left, you probably want to go right if you want to create something that's going to be great. So um, I really like that book a lot, and uh, it's definitely helped me. And uh, let me see. There was another – which is this other book? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave the audience with those two. Those are the two that I, I think have made the biggest impact most recently. Okay. And here we go. Three things, and nobody can escape this show without answering this question. Three things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Nice. So three things I, I would tell someone looking to create their best life. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, the, the first thing is make long-term goals, but try to enjoy the journey towards those goals. Um, so that's kind of like an ode to what I was saying earlier. 
um, about you know falling in love with the process, not the end result. Um, the second thing I would say to someone who's make who's creating their life, um, surround yourself with mentors and people who've been there and done that. Um, so this is more like a, a personal hack to um, achieving things or doing things that you may have never done before. If you have mentorship or if you're learning from people who've been there, you're going to avoid a ton of mistakes that you might have actually you know, made without that help. And moreover, you're going to feel like you have the guidance and the, the vision of the future right in front of you because people are telling you the answers. So that's a way better position to be in than to actually have to you know, write the entire playbook by yourself and on your own from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third thing I would tell someone uh, if they're creating their new life. Best life. Oh, their best life. Um, the third thing would be uh, to create a habit of learning. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, it's easy to say, you, you know, it's easy to say that you don't want to ever feel like you've learned everything you need to know. And I, right. That's easy to say, but it's kind of hard to do. Um, so therefore, people should if you're trying to create your best life, you know, you should figure out how to make learning a habit um, and. And by that, I mean creating time and space for you to actually learn new things on a consistent and repeated basis. The reason why this is important for creating a new life is if you're, if you're going to create a new life, that's, that, that obviously means you're, you're stepping into realms of, of your existence that you've never been in before. And therefore, the, you know, the unknown is going to exploit your lack of knowledge and experience. The only way to combat that is to learn. So you got to get comfortable with not with knowing that you don't know everything, but then also comfortable with the process of figuring out new things and learning th- new things. So um, I think if you want to create your new life, you know you got to make learning a habit, and you got to really put effort into. Um, ensuring that you have the time, the space, and the environment to learn new things on a continual basis. That's, that's definitely will be helpful in creating a new life. Okay. Um, what's next for you? Um, you know, and, and, you know, tell us a little bit about Dollar Ride and, you know, what's going on? Yeah. So Dollar Ride is next. Um, Dollar Ride is a ride-sharing technology that is focused on the dollar van industry in New York City. So for folks who don't know, which is even most New Yorkers are unaware of this, but um, there's a whole private network of vans that work in the outer boroughs. Um, They transport over 100,000 New Yorkers every single day from, from place to place. And they essentially are just vans that um, operate fixed routes, sort of like a bus service. 
Um, they started out in the 1980s for a dollar at a time. You know, someone could hail a van off the streets and get taken along this fixed route for just one dollar. They can get on and get off at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that that's actually a really good and successful business model for people who live on the outskirts of New York City and in many urban cities around the country, you know, where public transportation is weak, dollar vans thrive. Right. So um, I've been fortunate to have two uncles who are operators in the dollar van industry in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, they started out as drivers in the 1980s, but now they have fleets of drivers who work for them. And um, more recently, you know, they've looked at me as the, you know, the young nephew who can come help them transform their business and maybe even, you know, bring the whole industry in New York to a level that would make it more successful and, and provide this service to more people by incorporating technology. So um, the next venture for me is, is Dollaride, where we're building a mobile app and a web application that will allow drivers and passengers to enjoy dollar van service. So um, I'm, I'm super stoked about this venture. It's been really fun, uh, you know, building the product and then specifically working with drivers, trying to understand what their day-to-day is like and how we can use technology to make them more successful and, and help them earn more money. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the most, the, the most interesting part about all of this is that, you know, these guys are the drivers and even the community in which they work um, are immigrant communities um, or sometimes low-income communities in, in the city. And, you know, this is like right up my alley because I feel like if we're successful as a business and as a technology, we can actually lift a lot of these, a lot of these folks out of poverty or create more job opportunities for them. So, you know, it's like a it's like a dream of mine to be able to build a successful company, you know, make money for myself and my my team, but more importantly, make a positive impact on people's lives. So I'm super stoked about Dollar Ride. Okay. And how can we keep in contact with you? Uh, what's your social media handles, all of that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. On Twitter, that's one of the best ways to, to get at me. Um, I'm at the Susani, T-H-E-S-U-S-A-N-N-I. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, if anybody's listening is on LinkedIn, that's another way to, to hit me up. Um, I'm probably on LinkedIn more than any other social network, which is which is, says a lot about me, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Sue, S-U, Sani, S-A-N-N-I. Okay. All right, well, Sue, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Kevin, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, you obviously have done this before. You're <laughs> probably one of the smoothest uh, hosts and, and podcast producers I've, I've talked to. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, man. Now we just got one more thing to do. It's, it's time for the turnaround, man. Oh, turnaround time. Okay, turnaround let's time. do it. So, you know, in the turnaround, <laughs> you get to ask three questions, any questions that you want, uh, and I have to answer. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to put a disclaimer out there. I did not get to ask or find out what Sue's going to ask me. So whatever he comes up with is whatever has to be asked. Uh, answer. Oh yeah, we we're gonna make this good then too. I'm gonna put you on the spot. 
Okay. Uh, all right. So, Kevin, first question for you. Yep. Um, why podcasting? You know, why why did you choose this particular medium to do interviews and create you know content mm-hmm. for people? Uh, so. So we actually, I have a radio show and podcast, so the radio show usually goes to podcast, but when we have, you know, some people like yourself, um, you know, who has a busy schedule, then we just do a straight podcast interview. Um, realistically, man, I'm nosy, and one of the things that I've always <laughs> studied is how people become great. You know, what are the things that are not talked about, right? So like in most interviews, you're going to hear why somebody's doing something, and you're going to hear what they're up to, but you're never going to hear how they've done it you know and the how was the only thing that could be duplicated and so for me like I always study Kobe Bryant I know it's like the type of sleep patterns that he has you know how much time he spends in the gym all these different guys and I'm always looking at people's evolution so I want to know how people like yourself and you know like some of the other amazing people we've had the opportunity to interview how you all got to where you are and how do you sustain this level of success and achievement and so you know, uh, podcasting was a way to be able to deliver this information to people so that it can help them and to be able to do it on a consistent basis weekly, you know, which also gave me um, an avenue to be accountable, to be a resource um, for others. And so, you know, having a background as a motivational speaker, international motivational speaker um, and, and professional development trainer, you know, this is this is paradise for me. So. Nice, nice. Yeah, a lot of what you just said resonated with me too. So here's another question for you, because like you said, you're you're naturally nosy, mm-hmm. right? You studied Kobe Bryant and other you know successful people. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from successful people, and especially those who are athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, or business titans? What have you learned from them that has uh, or name one specific thing you've learned from any one of them mm-hmm. that has actually made an impact on your life or your perspective on how to do things. Wow. One specific thing. You know what? It's hard to say just one, but I think one of the bigger things that I've learned and that I see consistently is that you have to be humble enough to know that you don't know everything and bold enough to ask questions to people who know more than you. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, like, like I said, I watch a lot of stuff, especially on Kobe Bryant. Um, but he was literally calling up, you know, people from Apple, you know, people, executives from Nike, um, Ariana Huffington. And he's asking them questions about their craft and why certain things work certain ways. And I'm saying if this guy is a master in his own right, in his own domain, but he wants to know more, he's humble enough to go ahead and say, you know what, I need to get on the phone with this person because, you know, I need to know this or I want to know this. And I think that for everybody who's who's successful, they have that level of humility that says that, you know what, I need to learn more. And so they're willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, can you teach me this? And, you know, can I can I you know, can I apprentice under you? Can I learn something from you? Can I have a moment of your time? And then not only doing that, but once you learn what it is that you want or that you're trying to seek, it's acting on it. And I think that that is something that I see um, as a consistent 
across the board for people who have achieved uh, great levels of success. And, you know, and that goes hand in hand with perseverance, um, you know, the ability to endure and, and um, you know, run the marathon because it's definitely not a race. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good stuff. And Kobe's a great example of all of that. Um, I've heard similar stories about, you know, his work ethic and his process for um, reinventing himself, which he's had to do on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's clearly trying to do now, now that he's, you know, out of basketball and looking on to the next thing in his life. So, you know, he's a good example. All right. So, Kevin, last question to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see, how can I pose this? Uh, now, given the different interviews you've done over the years for the Create Your Life series, um, what do you th- what have you learned to be the biggest mistake that uh, budding entrepreneurs make, especially when they're trying to transition from you know the corporate world to the their their next venture or their startup? Um, I'm assuming that you might have heard some some horror stories, or you know you might have asked this question from your guests in the past about things not to do. Mm. But um, maybe you can share like a story or something that you've learned um, from doing these interviews that the listeners can learn from where um, they can avoid a, a big mistake that entrepreneurs often make when transitioning. You know what, Sue? I think that what you just did is just gave me another focal point for the interviews. Because I have to say, <laughs> I have to say that I don't focus enough on what the biggest challenge has been. Ah. Um, however... I think that something that's common because I often, you know, get the opportunity to chat with people, with guests before the interview and also after. And I think that if you go after trying to do something for the money, you're going to fall short. So you have to be passionate about whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and I think I, I, I've definitely heard a lot about the power of vulnerability. And... and one thing that I'll say as an entrepreneur, I've been an entrepreneur for a while, um, is that you, you have to be self-aware. And that means that, you know, some things you're going to learn as you get older, right? I'm a way better manager than I was when I was 23 or 24 now. But I think that it's also important for you to be able to admit when you're wrong and be okay with being wrong. And if you make that mistake, then, you know, to grow from it, learn from it, but definitely to admit it. And I think that that's a great sign of leadership. So whether you're budding, whether you've been at it for a while, anything like that, you know, being vulnerable, being humble, and being able to admit when you're wrong, I think are great components of, uh, of what a successful entrepreneur and leader is. And if you're doing those things, those are the things that you should be avoiding. And sometimes it takes for you to ask somebody because most people don't are not aware that they're always trying to be right. And being right means nothing when you lose everything or when you put everything in jeopardy just to be right. It's very small in the, in the bigger scheme of things. Right, right. Man, I'm, I'm glad you said that because not only are you, I think you're absolutely right, you know, it's just another reminder for me to, to check myself, too. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate your answers, Kevin. And 
I think I might have stumped you on that original question, but uh, it looks <laughs> like you, you found you found a way to turn it around. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, try to adapt, man. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. Thank you so much, man. This has been a very uh, enlightening and, and fun interview for me. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for your time. And, you know, I'd love to come back on the show again and uh, and actually do it in person. So this was awesome. Yeah, no, I would love that. Thank you, man. Yeah, you can always feel free to reach out. I don't, I don't know if we're connected on LinkedIn yet, but I'll make sure I'm following you and all that and, uh, on, on, all the, on all the social sites. And let's definitely stay in touch. Okay, awesome. I requested you on Facebook as well, so. Excellent, excellent. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Susana. You too, Kevin. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, give a shout-out to your your crew, too. I like what you guys are doing, and uh, I look forward to catching up with y'all again soon. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. <laughs> <laughs>